We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, Rotor Grinders? Welcome back to the Best Ball Hot Take Show presented by Underdog Fantasy. We're getting, uh, we're getting hot uh, as far as the NFL season, less than one week around the corner. Of course, we're talking about underdog fantasy. We're talking about best ball. That's what we're going to focus on the next hour. Uh, and, hey, we have a whole bunch of videos led, that led up to this. This is our last one because, hey, the season's starting in the six days, give or take, depending on, I think, Thursday night. Uh, let's introduce our two best ball expert, experts batting first, leading off. It's uh, Chris Prince. You guys know better as Beer Makers fan. Beer. Uh, you're drafting away. You're gonna th- you're gonna put the phone down for an hour, unless you're multitasking. I'm not really sure. But uh, how are the uh, the best ball streaks uh, treating you, Dean? I have to multitask. Three kids, every <laughs> different sport, football. I got a cat here trying to jump on my lap. So I am gonna put the phone down. We we just did a, a draft with Grant. Uh, so got some best ball drafts in. Now ready to talk players. Who we like? Who we don't like? Who we stacking? Kind of tie a bow on everything. We've covered every team. We've covered a lot of situations. Now it's time to put it all to the test, and uh, we've done enough drafts now where we know who we want, we know who we don't want, ready to talk all that right here. Yeah, we're going to go – we've done a whole bunch of things as far as uh, breaking down teams. We have videos of five teams and five teams and five teams and really digging into them. This is the big picture, our favorite running backs, favorite quarter, favorite at every position, and then we're going to have some hot takes at each position as well too. And you mentioned your show with Grant. We should mention also on the Rotor Grinder stream, hey, like and subscribe. And, you know, you can go ahead and check out – you guys just did it an hour ago. You guys are live drafting there in Underdog Fantasy. There's a whole bunch of those in the past month or so. Obviously, the ADPs and things like that are fluid, and we'll discuss that as well. Uh, let's bring in Christopher Jamino. We had a prime away from his work here at Rotor Grinders. If you, like what you, if you like what you see at RG, Jamino almost definitely has his hand in it on the, uh, on the back end, on the front end. He's all over it. Jamino, we got you for an hour. What's going on, dude? I'm getting things got done in my drafting. I've got, like – 50 going right now on the slow draft. It's like every other minute I have to go and try to figure out which one of these awesome mid-round receivers I'm taking. So I'm getting ready, Dean. I am absolutely pumped for pro football. Yeah. Underdog fantasy, if you guys are not aware, the best ball style said it and forget it. Uh, they have leagues from $3 to $100. Their signature uh, best ball, uh, it's called the best ball media tournament. $25 you can jump in there. $25 you can turn that into 200 k Total price pool in there is $1 million. There's a smaller tournament you can jump in for $5 and turn that $5 into $20,000. The total prize pool is $100K. Underdogfantasy.com. You can do it uh, with your phone. Uh, you can download the app for iOS and for Android. All right, let's dive in, boys. First thing we want to do, let's let's start at the quarterback. Uh, let's see, the guys. And it, 
this is all ADP. Obviously, of course, beer. You want Patrick Mahomes or you want Jackson if you can do it, but everything has an opportunity cost, and you got to construct the lineup that makes the most sense for you uh, to take down uh, winning that million-dollar contest here at Underdog Fantasy. So basically, it's like quarterbacks you want uh, that you're focusing on possibly higher than the ADP to the field, right? So right. Uh, bat first, lead off. Uh, tell me uh, one of your favorite quarterbacks that you're, uh, that's landing on one of your lineups. One of my favorite quarterbacks, and mainly, you know, this normally I want running quarterbacks, and I'm all about that. But this is one of the, the pocket passers that I am good with uh, is Matthew Stafford of the Lions uh, for a lot of reasons. A, we saw him last season, you know, that those first eight games, this guy was top five, top three quarterback. Uh, I'm pace for 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns. The other reason, very easy to stack here with, with Matthew Stafford. And in these big tournaments, we've talked about it over and over and over again. And some people say stacking is overrated. Uh, nonsense. I want to stack as many times as I can uh, with these 18 spots that I get on underdog fantasy. Uh, and Stafford makes it very easy. Even if you miss out on a Kenny Galladay, who I don't really like this season, you might see me talk about him here in a little bit, uh, but I love Marvin Jones. I, I think he's one of the best values uh, out there. I love TJ Hawkinson. Uh, and that all ties back together with Stafford, the running back situation, uh, bringing in Swift is going to help. You don't have to lean on carry on Johnson. The point is, I think this offense going to be very effective, going to be able to put up points, uh, a lot of points. I think they're going to be a top eight, top 10 offense uh, in the league. And uh, Stafford's a guy you can get pretty late. So prefer the running quarterbacks. Of course, I, I think there's guys that give you upside with their legs, but uh, Stafford is a screaming value for me right now. Absolutely love him. Yeah, one quick question. You mentioned stacking, and I meant to bring this up on the last show. Last show we talked about stacking a, a lot and why you should do it. But Beer, is there any argument? Like, what is the what are the chances that the winning team, the team that wins, uh, you know, this million dollar contest on our fantasy, the chances that that team is not a stack in some way? Like, can't you just have a bunch of good players? And sometimes you're stacking at the cost of like, you know, hitting your overall value, but of course you're increasing your upside, and upside is what you're shooting for. So, is there any argument to be made that like maybe stacking is kind of sort of uh, I don't want to say it's jumped the shark necessarily, but uh, at what point do you say, you know what, I'm just not going to stack it up and I'm just going to play the best plays? There's certainly a case for that. I, I would think that the, a stacked, a well-stacked lineup, uh, looking ahead to the playoffs, you know, incorporating multiple stacks has a better shot at winning this thing. But it's not to say that somebody that didn't stack and somebody that hits on, you know, a guy like Lamar Jackson last season, you know, hits on something like that later in your draft. You hit on two or three of those guys late. You avoid the injury bug. Uh, there's there's no reason a team that's not stacked can't win. I just think you give yourself a better shot at winning with a stack. You know, it's just it's the same in DFS, Dean. You know, a, a well correlated lineup has a better shot at winning. It doesn't mean it's always going to win. You're going to see some some lineups that uh, throw together a bunch of randoms and, and you hit on a bunch of 30, 35, 40 point guys and you take down a tournament. But to me, you have a much better shot going with the stack now some people can take it too far if you're reaching on guys three four rounds just to stack that i have an issue with if you're reaching a little bit to make sure you get the stack which is something we've talked about before i'm okay with it so yes possible i just think you're better set up uh, with going with stacks whether it's one two potentially three stacks in the same 18-man roster all right, Jimino, if you have a thought on that, by all means, and if you have a thought as far as uh, Stafford who's going around eh, quarterback 10 to 12, depending on where you're looking, uh, and then feel free to throw a, introduce a new name into the conversation, one of the quarterbacks you happen to be targeting more than the field. Yeah, I just look at these running backs, and I look at what's going to happen when they approach 
the goal. And I just expect that Stafford is going to be throwing a lot <laughs> down there. And I expect that there's going to be plenty of opportunities for passing touchdowns, 6.5% in his eight games last season. Uh, you take a look at the weaponry, it just suits him well to target Galladay, who's a monster, Hawkinson, who's a monster, Marvin Jones is able to play well in contested situations. It just seems to be a no doubter that when you add the touchdown upside to what we already have seen through Stafford's career, being able to rack up a lot of yardage, a 312 per game uh, before he got injured last season, we can expect that this team from in the passing game should probably look pretty similar in, in terms of how they want to play. I just expect Stafford to have a monster season and couldn't agree more with this particular position. Uh, I'm seeing him right now, an underdog uh, ADP, currently Jamino at 110, that's Stafford. So do I take him and, like, I get, I read every draft is fluid and things change. you got to be willing to, you know, go with the punches as far as what the draft's giving you. Do I take him around 9? Do I take him around 10? When, when do I take Stafford? My position on Stafford is it does not matter. Take him. It, I mean, like, the, <laughs> you, can get, you can get him later than this, and I have many times. But if you are trying to make this stack, take him whenever you need to. When, like, don't wait. And because it's, you know, you can certainly wait past the eighth or ninth round, right? But I mean, if, if again, if you have your team set up where you have Galladay or Marvin Jones, or you think that you can make that stack on an upcoming term, you know, be, be for, he's the kind of guy that I want to be aggressive to get. And I will probably end up trying to wait until the 11th round most times if I can. All right. Uh, introducing your name to the Jamino. If you're not getting Stafford, who else are you targeting? Look, I, I wish I was targeting him more. Uh, so, but I am in making best ball teams. I'm trying to make sure that I get a couple of more of him crowbarred in towards the end. And it's Russell Wilson. So uh, let the man cook, Please. you know, for Will years, what, you know what? So even if they don't, this is the kind of player that can deliver a top five fantasy season. And more importantly, as we're playing in these best ball tournaments, he can give you the kind of upside uh, in individual games, let's say, you know, in the in the playoff weeks, if he's had a good season and blessed you to get into the playoffs, he's the kind of guy who can just completely go off regardless of opponent. Uh, you know, the efficiency over his career has just been incredible. And now the weaponry, when, when you look at, you know, Metcalf ascending the way that he did in the playoffs last season, uh, I, I grant you that, you know, there have been criticisms in, you know, the, the types of routes that he has run in the past and that he's not necessarily like a like a like a full uh, complement type of receiver he's you know they, they sort of have him labeled as a one-trick pony I'm not so sure about that but more importantly I just think that when it comes to fantasy football uh the touchdown capability you know Russ was targeting him all over the place last season in the end zone and I just feel that the combination of him Lockett and of course they've got Josh Gordon a gaggle of tight ends uh it really is set up for a situation where we're now Russ actually has some great options to throw to I, I just don't see if they let him cook a little bit. Like, give can they give him like, you know, they don't have to give him like this the, the top chef kitchen. You know, give <laughs> give him like the biggest outback steakhouse. You know, let the man cook someplace. Like, just give him some opportunities to get it done. And I guarantee you, we'll see a big season out of Russ. I, I'm expecting it, and I do want to make sure that if I'm going to cheat and go quarterback early, that I have a couple of instances of Russell Wilson. Beer, it sounded like you were excited as well, and you're on board with, with uh, Mr. Unlimited. Uh, we're currently seeing him a projected, or uh, not projected, his ADP, and this stuff is always fluid. Obviously, don't hold this precise number. But as of this moment, uh, Russell Wilson's number is 76 in the ADP on underdog. So what, what does that mean I'm taking him in the seventh round, the eighth round? Oh, what, what do I, uh, you know, and again, you, you have Stafford as a backup plan. If you don't get, uh, if you don't get Wilson as, as a, at the, the spot you want him. Uh, what are you taking, uh, Wilson, there, Beer? 
Probably seventh. You could you could go into the sixth to make sure you get them, but uh, seventh feels like a good spot. And a few key points here. I agree completely with this one. And you asked, Dean, will they let him cook? I think in the past they were able to dictate the game with their defense. You know, to to, to hold teams down. We can run the ball. I don't expect that defense to be great this season. I, they're not going to be the worst defense in the league, but they may not have a choice. You know, if they're giving up points. I, I can't pound the rock if I'm down 14. I, I got to get this guy going. So I do think that he's going to be more involved. Secondly, target distribution we've talked about. Jamino brought up Metcalf. I love Tyler Lockett. I know Josh Gordon is back. That's just another guy that, that can take some attention away. It's easy to stack with those guys. And you get the alarm. What Kyler Murray, a lot of people have over Russell Wilson. I do not. I, give me Russell Wilson. But that's kind of the alarm. Kyler Murray gets drafted. It's time for Russell Wilson. So it's kind of built in that, that most people out there are going to take Kyler Murray over Russell Wilson. That's kind of your indicator that you need to get moving on it. So I, I like when those kind of things are built in. It lets me know, okay, I got to pull the trigger here. Can I wait longer? So a lot of reasons why uh, he's a great pick. I, I don't like going quarterback early, but in these drafts, when you can get the upside that we really haven't seen from us, we've seen it in the fourth quarter. I'd love to see a whole season of that. He could be QB1. He could be up there with Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, and you're not spending that that second-round pick to get him. Uh, Kyler Murray, ADP currently 72, Wilson 76. So you are, you are 100% correct as far as the alarm on that. Um, you guys are agreeing too much. Well, let, let's let's fight a little bit. because I, I got I can throw something in the mix here that we can fight about here. All right. Well, we, it's got to be organic, an organic it, fight. I, but, I, uh, yeah, I mean, unless, unless really Gino has changed his tune, I, I'm going to bring up Gardner Minshew here as a guy that I really want. And we know this team's going to be bad. They, they, they're jettisoning everybody away. But I do think there's going to be a lot of passing attempts in this offense. I know they struggled down the stretch. They're not going to score a lot of points. But – uh, we can make the volume argument here. We can put his numbers next to Kyler Murray's last season and see they're almost identical. A guy that can give you upside on the ground, an ascending talent in DJ Chark, a guy really like in LaVisca Chenault, who if he can stay healthy, can be a weapon here. So I, I'm going to throw the stash in here, and, and, and I, I know what I'm going to get here from Jamino unless <laughs> he's, he's turned the corner and he's with me. I'm expecting full disagreement on this one. All right, Jimmy, you know, uh, Minshew currently 163 as far as ADP. And, you know, maybe w- with the, the, the dumping of uh, Fournette, uh, does, that, does that mean they're all just going to start passing the ball a ton? Uh, Chris Thompson's a good running back to have for a quarterback as well, too. What's your thoughts as far as, uh, as Minshew? Well, look, I understand Beer's position. He does not like touchdowns. Who would like touchdowns <laughs> in a fantasy football league? The oh, Jaguars are going to be doing something more often, and it's called punting. And it's, it's called – you know, running divine Ogzigbo into like a two and a half yard carry. That's what the Jaguars are going to be doing. So what a name. If we are looking at this from a perspective of we, we, we probably want our teams to have a chance to at least have some fantasy production. I'm not enthusiastic about the Jaguars. And therefore it's not like I can't see a possibility where like deep round Gardner Minshew comes through for your fantasy team. It's just, it's not one of my preferred options. And I'll just keep it as simple as that. I do think the Jaguars are going to be one of the historically bad teams, or at least uh, in the conversation for one of the worst we've seen lately. And uh, they're definitely tanking, and I'm just not in a hurry to get involved. It, it came up organically, Jimino. Do you have a thought as far as what we're doing, if anything, with the, the absence of uh, Fournette? You just think they're not going to score touchdowns, so who cares? Is that, is that sort of your position? I mean, it's and, and look, and that's not, it's, it's not like just my position. I think a lot of people think this. 
Like I, you know, you just look at the Jaguars as a team and it's, it's, it's quite simply, they, they appear to be like the Miami Dolphins were last year, except it's not Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick before he's actually good. You have a thought on that beer as far as the running back situation? Is it mostly an avoid or, or is there a dart you can throw? I, it mostly an avoid. You know, I know there was some excitement for, for Ryquell Armstead. I just, I, I haven't seen it out of that guy. He had an opportunity last season. Uh, maybe they want him to be the guy. Ozigbo uh, has looked good in in, in the, the couple practices that we get here. Chris Thompson, how long does he stay healthy? I mean, when he's healthy, he's great. He, he's a nice PPR asset. But I think you're just going to – and Jamino nailed it. Miami, how look how many running backs and how many rostered players they had. I mean, I, I think Jacksonville's going to do the same thing and give a lot of these guys opportunities. Maybe they find something. Most likely they don't. I mean, super late, if you want to speculate on some of these guys, I think a Zigbo would be the guy that I would take. He's going way later than the other guys, but n- nothing I'm overly excited about. I think Minshew can get there uh, with his legs, uh, with some some upside games. I know they're not going to score a ton of touchdowns, but the cost to, to get in here, a cheap DJ Chark Gardner Minshew stack is not breaking the bank. So I'm not going overly crazy with it. The running backs pretty much hand off, hands off unless I'm super late in the draft. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else worth, worth digging into as far as – you, you, we're assuming, uh, you know, rational coaching. We're assuming that their intent is to try to win, but we also think that they're possibly tanking. So maybe they won't do the things that will – and the Dolphins, you can argue, overachieved last year. Like, they, they were probably too good. They probably should have lost a couple more games. Uh, all right, let, let, let's move on from there. Do you, know, do you have anything about anybody else as far as quarterbacks are targeting, are you turning, or you want to open up uh, running backs? Yeah, real quick. I just want to talk about Carson Wentz, right? Carson Wentz is slipping ridiculously deep into my fantasy best ball drafts right now. And I can't wait to smash the button on it's probably because the big Q next to his game right now, he's got a lower body injury right now is the report, but I think he's going to be fine. Hockey injury. Yeah. Well, more importantly, let's just talk about like what Carson Wentz did last season, Uh, 4,000 yards passing 27 touchdowns. And I need remind you that to, you know, for the majority of last season, the, Passing targets included, you know, rookie schlub J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and former AAF standout Greg Ward. So, you know, we'll actually we're actually going to see these guys sooner than we really like to here in Week One coming up for NFL DFS. But I, that's not going to continue for nearly the amount of time that we saw last season. And I, I'm just looking at another year uh, removed from this particular situation as a chance for Carson Wentz to really revive his career and show that he's the kind of passer who can go for 4,500, 4,600, maybe even 5,000 passing yards and certainly go for a lot of passing touchdowns, looking at utilizing Goddard, Ertz in the red zone. And, of course, Deshaun Jackson is going to be back on this team. And Deshaun Jackson has a unique capability to play both in the deep game and also play well in the short and intermediate area late as he's developed later in his career. So I'm just looking at this as a situation for Wentz to bounce back, and he's going way too cheap. Your favorite uh, receiver to pair with him? Deshaun Jackson, and we'll talk about it later. All right. Bear, your thought as far as Wentz, if you want to clean that up, by all means. Uh, otherwise, let's move on and open up running back. Your favorite running back to draft when considering ADP. I am with him on Wentz. Uh, he covered everything. Uh, it, it's just uh, uh, he's set up for success there, even with the lack of weapons. They still have the two tight ends, Jackson, Sanders. It's going to be a very good offense. So I agree 100% there. Uh, let's go to the running back position. Like you said, Dean, I, I could start at the top here. I, I really love Joe Mixon. I've talked about him a ton. Uh, the migraines are now gone. 48 million will get rid of migraines. So 
I don't need to hammer home on him. I, I really like him at the top. I'm going to go to the, to the middle rounds. There's two guys I like. I'll go one here. I don't want to steal uh, one of Jamino's maybe, but I really like Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and, and maybe it's the Wisconsin bias in me, but the more and more I think about it, Marlon Mack is a, a replaceable level talent. This guy, the, the numbers are off the charts. That offensive line is ridiculous. This offense is going to be good. Paris Campbell's a guy I like. I think they're going to have weapons all around. Even with my disdain for Phillip Rivers, you guys know I don't like some Phillip Rivers. I think Jonathan Taylor's going to be a monster. Maybe it takes a couple weeks. Maybe it happens right off the gate. But uh, we're just too too cheap on Jonathan Taylor right now, in my opinion. I know people are worried. They have their concerns. Is this going to be a committee? I, I think even if it is a committee, it doesn't last very long. So he is like the drop off. You know, a- after Jonathan Taylor. Now I'm into the, the Le'Veon Bells, the Todd Gurley's, the, the Fournette's, the Melvin Gordon's, the, the whole tier that I don't want to get involved with. So it's a, another alarm that I want to grab Jonathan Taylor before things fall off a cliff. Beer? Uh, not beer. Uh, Jamino, uh, J- Jonathan Taylor, your thoughts on him? It looks like he's going around number 20, 29 is the current ADP here at Thunderdog Fantasy. And uh, see Taylor and raise him, Jamino. Look, I, as far as Jonathan Taylor is concerned, I'm, I'm willing to make the draft pick, but I'm not as enthusiastic about the situation just because I think I probably think a little bit more about Marlon Mack than Beer does. But, and I also think that Naeem Hines is, is a player that they haven't necessarily crossed off the list as being on the field a lot in passing situations. I don't particularly see that going away, at least not early in the season. So it's, it's, it's a situation where you're pretty much betting that Taylor is going to usurp everyone else because he's so much better. And quite frankly, that is well on the table and very, very possible to happen. It's just something that I'm not getting as enthusiastic about. I prefer everyone in the fantasy industry to hate my takes, Dean. Uh, that's <laughs> the way that I like to operate. And one of the most popular takes from the offseason uh, involves Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is a player who came out of the draft. Uh, you know, he w- wasn't really a full-time player at Alabama. He was always splitting the load with guys like Damian Harris and when, when he got here, you know, all anyone could talk about was how good this guy was. And all he did in his rookie season was play incredible, uh, you know, 88 yards per game, over a thousand yards rushing. He was one of the most elusive players in the league. Uh, num- number six in player profiler juke rate and, you know, eight, number eight in evaded tackles. Uh, he was, if you just, you want to hashtag watch the tape team. All you had to do was watch this guy injure himself. He like broke his own shoulder, smashing into like he just like the the violent impact that this guy can create with with power. Uh, and then to boot on top of that, they are talking about uh, on some level getting him involved in the passing game. They've been talking about it since the combine. They and then you hear Josh Jacobs talk about adding it to his game. People talk about adding guys like Lynn Bowden and and Jalen Richard. And, and and I look at the talent profiles of these players that they're talking about taking away touches from Josh Jacobs and what he was able to accomplish as just a, a very young rookie. He's, what is he, 22 and a half years old right now, Dean? I mean, this guy is an incredible upside if he gets that passing game work, as, especially if the Raiders can perform just a little bit better in the touchdown department than they did last season. So I'm looking at, you know, taking him over guys like Nick Chubb. I'm looking at taking him, you know, every now and then over, over a guy like Eckler. Uh, you know, certainly one we, He's a guy who could finish as a top five running back, and nobody's talking about that. And that's yeah. why I think Eckler is – I'm sorry, that's why I think Josh Jacobs is interesting coming around that, that number two turn as somebody that you can, you know, maybe get a couple more shares of than everybody else. I, I just think the upside's greater than people are talking about. 
You nailed it, by the way, uh, turned 22 in February. And, uh, yeah, I've heard that whole Venus de Milo thing about him. He has just no hands. He can't catch the ball. And it's always weird to me. Like, even unathletes like ourselves, we can, like, catch a football. I don't understand why these guys can't catch footballs. It's odd. Uh, Beer, your thoughts as far as Jacobs? I mean, I'm seeing him ABP at 11. So you have to really like him. Uh, You take him at 9, take him at 10? Or you're just saying you feel really, really comfortable, Jimeno, I suppose. You feel really good. You're not concerned at all as far as him being back end first, front end second. It's, yeah, it's not like you're getting a discount on on Jacobs. I, I'm just I'm just saying you. I think if you are on the back end of that first round coming around, I, I would probably like to take him on the other side of that turn as the second back that I'm taking. But I just I'm just saying, you know, I'm going out of my way to try to get him a little bit more than I think you should taking him over some guys that people would probably raise the eyebrow at. Here, your thoughts on Jacobs? You have, you have another running back to throw out there? So. I, I'm going to disagree here a bit. Now I have him RB 12. It, it's not like I hate him. I, I'm probably even with the field on him. My concerns we've talked about, why would they bring in all these? Why would they re-sign Jalen Richard? Why would they bring in uh Devante Booker, uh, Theo Riddick, uh, Lynn Bowden, the other issue, Dean, the schedule. We'll walk through it real quick. Now he gets, he gets a good start here. Carolina should, should definitely have a good game. Then he gets new Orleans, new England, Buffalo, Kansas city, Tampa Bay, Cleveland, the Chargers, Denver again, Kansas City again. That's a murderer's row of, of teams. And you hear some team Tampa. They were very good against the run. I know you want to want to laugh and say Tampa Bay. These are all good defenses against the run. That's the concern. And if he's not getting that passing game volume, which I would love to see him. I love the talent. I love the player. But if they're not going to give him that and all these game scripts are, are not favorable, I mean, they got to be favored in – Probably none of those games. I mean, even at Carolina, I, I haven't even dug into the week one spreads yet, but none of those games are they favorites. So I'm counting on a, uh, on a two down back that that's going to be playing from behind in, in all these, the first 10 weeks of the season. That's concerning. So I don't disagree with, with some of the things he's saying. I like the talent. I like the player. The schedule doesn't set up well. I don't think they believe in him as a pass catcher. Uh, just a, a lot of concerns. So at ADP, sure, I'm not reaching for him, though. For the record, Vegas is currently a one-point dog versus Carolina. Jamino, how much do you care about schedule? A little bit. Like, I think I think it's worth looking at. But I also think that there are certain players and certain, like, calibers of talent where I just will try to not make it one of the most pressing factors in my decision. Like, I'm certainly willing to accept the idea that a lot of those defenses could be good and a lot of them could – stop Josh Jacobs, but they have a good offensive line as well. So it's not as if that, I mean, there's two, there's two teams that play football, like dismissing the Raiders ability to operate on offense when their car is like, he's an efficient player. He's like more of a game manager type at this point, but he is able to operate the offense. And I do expect that there it's, it's not, you're not drawing dead with, with Josh Jacobs, even if that schedule does turn out to be really tough. So I'm not overrating it. Here, give me another running back. So I've talked about James Conner so much. Uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to leave that one alone. I, I love him a ton. I think he's still, he's definitely moved up in ADP from where you were getting him early on uh, in the best ball season. But if he stays healthy, uh, he could finish as a top five running back. So I don't need to go into more depth there. I'm going to go a little later and Matt Breed is a guy that I continue to move up my board. And, and the question Dean is, is it Breida? Is it Howard? Maybe you don't want either of these guys, but I do think this offense can be functional. You said they 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 overperformed last season. I, I don't see why they can't again this season. You know, you got some good wide receivers there. Gasecki, T- 
taking a step up. Uh, whether it's Fitzpatrick, who I do think they're going to try to ride for one more season, not rush Tua in there. The point is, Brita, we know, one of the fastest players in the league, super explosive, can make big plays, is the much better pass catcher out of the two. The question is health. If we know he's healthy, it's a slam dunk, Brita, over Jordan Howard. So this may start as a split. It may be frustrating. But in best ball, I don't care about that. I don't have to make that decision. That's the beauty of it. The upside is what I'm chasing here, Dean, and I think Matt Breida has a ton of it. All right, two questions. Uh, currently seeing him at ADP at 97 on underdog. Uh, where, where are you targeting him, and are we now assuming that Howard's the goal line guy or not really sure? I Assumption, yes, but I, I don't think that's something Matt Breida can't do. So I, I just I don't, I don't think Jordan Howard's a very good football player. It's not that he's terrible. He's, he's serviceable. He can get the job done. We've seen that. I, I think Breida can bring in more, more ceiling, more upside. So – as far as drafting him, I'm fine in the seventh, eighth round. It's a little bit ahead of where he's going, but you know, it's after you kind of fill those starting positions. Maybe I loaded up on running back early. I hammered those mid rounds with receivers, like we've talked about. Now I add some depth. He's a guy that I believe in, even in an RB three. I think Matt Breida can provide you some volume in that spot. Prefer him as as a four or five, but uh, really high in his prospects this year. Jimino, I'm cheating. I'm looking at your notes here in best ball and I'm Roto Grinders and. Uh... Unless something has changed and you have to update this, you, you see him as a, a as a positive play, as a value play. No, that's definitely true. I, I don't believe in Jordan Howard at all. Like I, like I see people thinking that this is a situation where Howard is going to be getting a certain number of touches in the backfield and he's going to be the guy that you're, you know, people are drafting him like way higher than I would. I, I think he's one of the easiest fades in the entire draft to me, Jordan Howard. But that just plays into my love for Breda because – not only do I think that he'll start the season with a pass catching role, with a role that will involve, you know, decent usage early in the season, but I think eventually he'll just completely outplay all the other backs on this team and earn a very large share of this workload relative to his draft position. So it's just an easy call for me that we're, we're, we're aiming to get him on our, our team more than our opponents do. Uh, Howard's current ADP is 88. Brita currently 97. I agree with you, by the way. They also, they traded for him. This is a guy they wanted. They gave him some draft equity. I think a fourth rounder, if I remember correctly. Uh, your thoughts, Jamino, on anybody else as far as running backs? Or you want to open up uh, receivers? Yeah, just real quick. Uh, you know, as we're getting, if we're getting into the late, you know, mid to late rounds, I, I would say probably like towards the end of the single digit rounds, early double digit rounds, uh, James White and Chase Edmonds are two players that I believe are going to have sort of part-time roles right right away in this season where they're going to be involved in the passing games and especially on full PPR formats. I'm loving them, but I think you can even use them on underdog fantasy if you're getting them for the right price. And I just think that what's going on with both of these guys is they're both in situations where if nothing changes with the way we expect that this situation is to go, that they're going to have a good number of spiked weeks for these best ball formats. But, you know, we were already seeing Damian Harris uh, with a recurring, you know, he's got another hand injury. He had one last year and we you know we're also seeing Sony Michelle uh, banged up to start this season you know who knows how healthy he'll end up being or if they even still like him uh, I just think that White has a potential to be on the field an awful lot as the season goes along and then we're getting receptions which are worth more in fantasy football and Chase Edmonds same situation it's, they're already talking about scheming him into the passing game playing on that Arizona offense that does kind of play horizontally and gets backs uh, into space gets players into space uh, the re- spreads the field out really well. And of course, if something does happen to the lead back there, he's a monster. So I like both those plays because they have good solid ability to be used now and huge upside. 
what is the upside for White? Like, he's not ever going to be like a bell cow guy, but what's like the most carries he can get per game? Of course, his biggest perk is uh, his receptions as a running back, but is he a guy that can get 8, 12 carries a game in theory? I don't care how many carries he has. Yeah, I care how many catches he has. Okay, that's so, it. All he cares was the catches. Yeah, I mean, like, if you look at, like, okay, here's a situation where you might see, like, if you picture Cam Newton on the goal line, right? Uh, Picture how that kind of how that kind of works out with with the option pitch. I heard this on another show. I want to give them credit. I forget where I heard it. I think it might have been the Podfather, but there was. So you no know, it, I, I thought I thought it was a it was a good point. Um, it, you know, if if you're if you're down there on the goal line and you're they're running that little pitch option play, who's going to be in the backfield for that one? It's not going to be slow ass Sony Michelle. You know, it, it could be Burkhead, be. but more likely James White. So All I right. do think that there's some opportunity for rushing touchdowns too. Yeah, uh, Beer, you have any thoughts on those, or you want to open up receivers for us? Just We'll just wrap it up. I agree with with some of the points there. I, I really like Chase Edmonds, a guy I keep moving up. It's those running backs that that have a, a role right away. Kareem Hunt, Latavius Murray, Chase Edmonds. If something were to happen, they're going to drastically outproduce where they're picked. So those are three that really stand out to me. I do think Edmonds will have a role. This was a team that was very good on the ground. The offense is going to get better. Drake has never been a guy that's been able to carry the load and uh, frankly has always been hurt. So uh, Edmonds, Hunt, Latavius Murray, all at different points in the draft, but they give you that that double double value where there, there's a floor there instantly and a huge ceiling if something were to happen to the guy in front of them. Receivers, beer, fire away. I'll, again, I'll, I'll leave the Pittsburgh. I love Juju. I love Connor. I, I love that whole team. So I'll leave that alone. My guy all, all summer, Dean's been Will Fuller. Uh, and I'm going to continue to to say that name and be happy drafting him. You can get him as, as your wide receiver four, five in some drafts. Uh, I think a lot of people are scared off by the health concerns. But what you forget is, yeah, okay, give me some big games. If he gets hurt, it's not like you just get a zero for that spot. I got other guys that, that can help fill in here. But the, the upside, the rapport is there with Sean Watson. You, you got Randall Cobb coming in. You got Brandon Cooks coming in. You got David Johnson coming in. All these guys are new to the offense. These two guys have that rapport. They've shown it before. We've seen huge spike games on Will Fuller. We've seen games where, yeah, he, he should have had a huge game. I think that one, he dropped three touchdowns. So <laughs> just massive, massive upside. And if people are going to be scared off by injuries, playing things safe, Forget that. I, I'm playing to win, and Will Fuller's a guy uh, that can help me win a lot of money this season. So I, I'm putting a, Will Fuller as a guy I want, and, and I already have uh, probably my highest owned receiver. Uh, if I were to pull up my ownership right now, I absolutely love him, Dean. Yeah, you play to win the game. Uh, Fuller currently being uh, drafted at 57 in underdog fantasy. The absence of Hopkins, I guess, and of course, there's the injury concerns as well, Jimmy. You know, uh, and I suppose defenses will concentrate on a little bit more, but more usage as well. More, more balls being delegated this way with Hopkins being God. Is that an overall plus or an overall negative, or you don't really care? You just like the talent and he's just being underdrafted. I, he's definitely being under – I mean, I don't know if he's being underdrafted anymore, but I do think that I love the talent, and I do think that he can do more than what people give him credit for. I think that Hopkins not being there is, is, isn't really anything but a plus. I mean, Hopkins was commanding a lot of target share. We were projecting him for 28-plus percent of targets on a weekly basis and now that's all gone and now the guys around him can't really do some of the things that Hopkins could do so I expect them to ask some of that of Will Fuller I don't think he's just going to be running straight nine patterns down the field all game long I expect him to be extremely involved you know on, on every down so that's really or every passing down I should say so I am interested in Will Fuller being ahead of the field on him and, and I do think that he's probably one of my highest owned players in best ball 
All right. If not Fuller, who is one of your favorite receivers? Rarified air is going to be reached in terms of target volume for Terry McLaurin this year. <laughs> uh, I, I look at, you know, former league loser uh, Antonio Gibson gets bailed out with the Adrian Peterson cut. But basically, other than guys like him, the target distribution is going to be pretty thin here. And give Dwayne Haskins some credit for holding off any competition from Alex Smith at quarterback over the summer. Not that that was really a, a big threat, but the guy does have a chance to be maybe a little bit better than we're giving him credit for. I'll wait and see it before I go out of my uh, chair here to praise Dwayne Haskins. But you look at the potential target ceiling we could see here for McLaurin. It's definitely well over 120. I mean, it's, it's, it's a guy who could have one of those rare, rare, rare consolidated target seasons. If he stays healthy, athletically very very gifted 95th percentile speed score guy Uh, we saw last year the explosive play capability Uh, the games that we can expect Washington to be playing this year we're probably not expecting them to be winning a lot of games so I do think that the passing volume will be pretty decent for you know Ron Rivera's squad out there they got Scott Turner manning the offense and I just I just do think that there's not as many guys that can reach you know the like the excessive target share that McLaurin can reach in a season and that and I think we'll see it this year can I just retort with like you your whole argument against one of your big arguments against Jacksonville was like they're not going to score touchdowns and their offense is going to be terrible and they're going to be punting a lot isn't Washington going to be kind of doing the same thing now I know quarterback and receivers different things uh different punks of the different functions of the, of the offense but is that worth considering as far as touchdown equity when it comes to uh, McLaurin well we were talking about the quarterback and we're talking about a wide receiver who does get a half point or a full point per reception, depending on where your fantasy league is being held. So when you have that kind of scoring format and the guy is well over a hundred targets, I think you can make up for, uh, you know, some negative touchdown situations. And look, it's a good, it's a fair point. I'm not trying to be hypocritical. Uh, I, I, I don't want to load up on Washington Redskins or Washington, whatever or football team this year, but I do want to have uh, plenty of Terry McClark. All right, Barry, you have a thought on Terry McLaurin, and uh, feel free to throw somebody at yourself. Yeah, I agree with McLaurin. I mean, you look around, you, you got a quarterback playing tight end and Logan Thomas. You, you got uh, Steven Sims coming out of nowhere. I mean, he, he's going to get a ton of looks, and he has that same rapport. You know, going back to Ohio State, uh, we saw it last season. In, in an absolutely terrible rookie season for Haskins, McLaurin still put up some big numbers and against some good corners too. I mean, he didn't, he didn't do it just against anybody. Uh, this guy was, was, was uh, he had Steven Gilmore in, in, in the, in the spin cycle. So this is a guy that can create separation. Uh, a lot of the advanced metrics look good for him. So uh, definitely an agreement on that one, that whole tier, uh, Dean, I mean, Ridley woods, Lockett, Metcalf, uh, Chark, McLaurin, Fuller. I mean, it's just loaded up. So we've, we've talked over and over about hammer and receiver there. Uh, I love all those guys, but I'm going to bring up Hollywood Brown here. Uh, fully healthy, gained some muscle, big play waiting to happen. I think Baltimore is definitely going to have to throw more in it. It's pretty much him and Mark Andrews. I mean, Willie Sneed is, is a guy. They don't target their running backs a ton. Uh, I mean, is Miles Boykin suddenly going to show up and be, and be a thing? So I just like the, the, the combination of the targets will mm-hmm. be there. The upside is huge with this guy, and the offense is going to be one of the top three offenses in the league, and you're getting a drastic discount on him. People see him as a one-trick pony. I think you're going to see more Hollywood Brown getting involved in some of the shorter stuff, uh, you know, the, the slants. Maybe they get him the ball out of the backfield. You're going to see them get creative with him, and, and he's way too cheap in these drafts. Uh, Jamino, your thoughts on Hollywood. Fun fact, though, I learned this the other day. 
Uh, I thought Hollywood, and maybe this is the case, I still don't know. I thought he was nicknamed Hollywood Marquise uh, is his real name. But I thought he was nicknamed that because like, that's just sort of like a cool wide receiver nickname and it kind of speaks to his skill set. He was born in Hollywood, Florida. He went to Shabanabadana. So I don't know wh- wh- where the nickname come from, Jimino. Do we know? It's important stuff. I'm not spending my time, my valuable time, <laughs> looking up what's going on with Hollywood Brown's nickname. But I was matters. <laughs> now look, I, I I will say that when your quarterback has a nine percent touchdown rate, uh, and that good. is not one hundred percent fluky. Like, like a lot, a lot of that was driven by the fact that he, the quarterback is the never foreseen rushing threat at the position, and they were able to do things to defenses that they're they're just ill equipped to. To handle it's like it's very difficult to account for the quarterback when he's that good so I do expect that Mark Andrews probably won't catch 25 30 touchdowns and that there will be pretty you know a few more touchdowns this season to go around for a guy like Hollywood Brown and I do think that he's worth drafting there as a fair favorite in that tier does anybody have a read as far as his uh, snap count snap percentage this year because that was one of the things and he got it done in like what 40 percent 30 percent and he was dinged last year also too kind of playing with an injury, was it a hamby? I can't remember what it was. You kind of played through it some games. But uh, is there any sort of thought in the beats saying it, uh, beer, Jimeno, anybody have an idea as what's the snap count percentage going to be? I, I mean, I think it'll be higher. But I think it's going to be a thing for him and Andrews. And I, I think that's a positive for both of them is they did a ton of damage in, in very limited snaps. So uh, you start to raise that share for both of them. And uh, again, the sky's the limit. So it's a ceiling play. It's a guy that you take after – uh, most of these names that we just rattled off in, in that middle tier and uh, still get a lot of upside there. Maybe you did take Lamar Jackson. Uh, you grabbed this guy in the fifth, sixth round. So I do expect him to be on the field way more. I expect the same for Mark Andrews. All right, tight ends. We got to pick up the pace, boys. Uh, Jamino, open up tight ends for us. Uh, Beer was talking about him earlier, but TJ Hawkinson is a player that who you're coming out of the draft, people were expecting to be. What, like one of those rarefied kind of kind of guys athletically who could be in like the the Kelsey Gronk territory and now and of course he's really 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 good friends with George Kittle so uh, we can expect that uh, I don't know if that's like the same thing as a shower narrative but it's definitely a situation where he's trying to be in that category of player uh, as far as his training regimen as far as his athletic skills and certainly the opportunity is going to be there in Detroit. Uh, last season as you know towards the end of the season we started to see flashes of what was going to be possible ended up getting dinged up but the situation in 2020 I expect to be very different I expect him to be one of the top touchdown producers in the league this season and I'm drafting him aggressively as one of my very favorite players in the entire draft forget tight end I like how like Hollywood's nickname is not important, but T.J. Hawkinson being friends with George Kittle—that's that we have to feature. <laughs> oh, the, the shower narrative is always important, Dean. Come on, get your, get, your, I'm pri- to, get your priorities straight. I'm, I'm trying to establish that the guy, like the, the personality of this player, is he wants to be one of the top players in the league, and you're not drafting him at anywhere near that kind of price tag. You're drafting him like it, like around around nothing burgers, you know, like Austin Hooper. I mean, look, Austin Hooper is a good player and all, but I mean, just for for the draft price, why would you ever draft Darren Waller as good as Darren Waller really is? And he's good. He's really good. But I just think that you're you're getting maybe not the same kind of consolidation of target workload, but certainly the same same touchdown upside with a guy like Hawkinson like seven rounds later. So 124, Jamino, is Hunter Henry, 123, Hawkinson, and your boy Beetlejuice, 122, Jared Cook. What are your thoughts on that? 
That's ridiculous. Why would you ever draft Jared Cook over TJ Hawkinson this season? That's stupid. <laughs> I knew that would tilt you. Beetlejuice. Uh, <laughs> uh, what, what are your thoughts here, Be- uh, Beer? I was going to call you Beetle for a second. Beat. <laughs> say I was say Beetlejuice one more time, Dean. We're going to have some issues. <laughs> he may appear. Candyman, Candyman, Candy. That's Beer, right. uh, what do you have for me as far as uh, Hawkinson and some other tight ends? Love Hawk. You know I love the Lions. I mean, the pedigree's there. This guy was taken that high in the draft for a reason. We, we can argue about whether that was a mistake or not. But uh, this, this reminds me of the George Kittle situation where you saw the flashes. He was a guy that you could take later in the draft. And then, boom, he blows up. He's a top three tight end. So tight ends take two, three, four years sometimes. It's a tough position to come in the league to learn because you're not just learning to be a receiver. you got to learn the blocking schemes as well. So I do expect him – uh, to produce a ton of touchdowns in that offense. Love him stacking with Stafford. I'll throw a couple guys here, Dean. I know we're, we're running short on time. Uh, Chris Herndon is a guy I, I'm aggressively trying to get. Uh, the Jets offense, it's just a lack of playmakers. Jamison Crowder, about as boring as it gets. Uh, I think there's upside with Chris Herndon. Has that rapport with Sam Darnold. I like him. Uh, I also like Blake Jarwin a lot. You know, we, we keep talking about all these other pieces of Dallas. Dak loves to throw the tight end. You know, and Jason Witten got 83 targets in that offense. Let's give those to Blake Jarwin. They spent a lot of money on this guy. Uh, I think he's kind of the forgotten man there in Dallas, and he's the one you can get super late. After all these other guys go, uh, you can still scoop up Blake Jarwin. So Herndon, I agree on Hawkinson, uh, and really love Blake Jarwin as well. ADP on Underdog Fantasy, uh, Jarwin 139, Herndon 141. Jamino, I, I know in previous shows you talked about liking Herndon, so I imagine he's your preferred uh, of the, amongst those two, if you miss out on a guy like Hawkinson? Yeah, there's no target comp- competition there. They need him very badly, so I do love Herndon. You know, the, you look at the injuries, Perriman's injured, Mims is not played in training camp. It's just going to be the Herndon show here early in the season as far as the passing targets are concerned. All right, you got anything else as far as tight ends? Do we know or do you want to talk about some players? We featured a lot of time for guys we want. We're going to mention some guys we don't want as, as, as positions as well, too. We'll do that much faster, obviously, but Jamino, you any other tight ends? Or you want to talk about quarterbacks you're not on? Let's talk about quarterbacks I'm not on. Uh, I think the pretty the fast track uh, to a losing fantasy team is to waste a second or third round, well, probably a second round pick on Lamar Jackson. I mean, I guess people will probably take him in the first round. I don't know. But it's really just about roster construction. I just don't see how you can, you know, look at all these quarterbacks that are available later in this draft. And, and then expect to be able to re, you know recover from that often. I'm not saying don't take any Lamar Jackson. Uh, I'm certainly not going to have very much of them. And it's mostly about the fact that I just want to make sure that I get running back to this area of the draft. And I don't think that the outproduction of Jackson is going to be quite what it was last season compared to other quarterbacks. Yeah, it's no knock on Lamar. It's just the opportunity cost of drafting. And we're currently sitting at 123 as far as his ADP on uh, – underdog fantasy uh beer your thoughts on jackson and some other quarterback that you're just uh you don't find yourself grabbing so much yeah i agree on jackson it's just a roster construction thing unless you go into it and say all right i'm, I'm gonna stack baltimore i'm gonna make it a point to, to get him and that's fine if that's your goal but i just think waiting at this position makes a ton of sense so i agree there if he falls far enough sure you know you're in the mid late third round and, and lamar and mahomes are there which rarely happens uh, really never uh but then that point then i might jump on him my guy's Drew Brees, Dean. I, I just have a lot of concerns about the passing volume in this offense. Yes, Thomas is going to be great. He has some great weapons, but they're going to be able to run the ball. Their defense is much improved. Uh, Taysom Hill, a guy that's going to come on the field and, <laughs> and steal touches, goal line opportunities. Maybe they even work Winston in once in a while. Who knows? So 
Uh, there's just a lot of reasons. Yes, he's efficient. It's just not the Drew Brees that we remember putting up 5,000 yards and, and 40 touchdowns. He doesn't have to do that. So uh, he's a guy that where he goes, uh, I just think it's way overpriced. He won't be on many of my teams at all. In fact, I don't think I've drafted Drew Brees once this entire summer. Yeah, he's a man. He's 40. He's actually 41. And like you said, there's probably a non-zero chance if things get goofy that Winston gets get some run or Hill gets some run. And if nothing else, uh, like you said, Hill's going to siphon some some touches, uh, some snaps, and they do some goofy gadget plays. And sometimes he's involved in touchdowns. And that's very tilting when you have Breeze in your team. Uh, your thoughts, Reno, as far as uh, Breeze and any other quarterback that you're not necessarily on? Yeah, I mean, I was Breeze is the other guy on my list here, so I'm in completely full agreement here. I'm just, I'm just not interested in going with uh, him in his final pro career, uh, final pro season. Running backs, we don't want. Fire away. Dalvin Cook is a player that I'm trying to shy away from right now. Uh, the situation in Minnesota is not good. Their win total right now is nine. That's a pretty good bet for the under in my estimation. It's a really good bet for the under as, as far as I can tell. I don't think that this team is going to perform that well on offense this season. And I look at the other backs that are available in the same vicinity as Dalvin Cook. There's really no time where I'm ever finding myself taking him. I'm always, I'll take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'll take Derrick Henry. I'll take all these guys that are up here at the top of the draft over him. And I just don't see any way that he makes for a better fantasy pick than all these guys. Sure, if he falls a good distance, you can take him. I, I may, I might have a sprinkle of Dalvin Cook and he's a really good player, really strong talent in the National Football League, can overcome bad teams and bad situations, especially with the pass catching, which is not for me in 2020. Bear, a thought on, uh, you know, on Cook, and by all means, throw out a couple of running backs for us as far as guys you just don't feel uh, justify their current ADP. Uh, I have moved Cook down slightly. I, I'm probably not as pessimistic as Jamino, but I certainly get the point where I, I, that team is, you know, the lack of weapons. Uh, sure, they added a piece on defense, but I think the defense could be an issue. So uh, you got contract situation so just a lot of concerns where you can get a much safer guy a derrick henry a mixon who was just paid in, in that same range so uh not not again not as all right uh i wasn't sure if that was on my end or not but beer's connection's a little a little funky right now let's jump back to jamino hopefully you'll get beer uh, just a second here Certainly. uh jamino fire away receivers that you are just uh you're not drafting uh, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be in a situation in Arizona where he won't see nearly the same kind of target share that he was seeing in Houston. And the offense itself is a spread it around type of an offensive system. So I feel pretty confident that we're not going to see the, you know, the big, big, big targets we saw in Houston and the big, big focus in the offense to the point where he's going to be worth his draft capital. So I'm trying away from Hopkins betting that he does not ever reach anything close to the thresholds that we've known throughout his career uh, maybe he'll be efficient and overcome uh, my fears that the target volume won't be there but I just think that there's guys like Allen Robinson who will probably eclipse his target share that I'd much rather have you know this show is uh it's just cursed you know a previous show uh, our, our producer Devin his, his power went out in the middle of the show we had we, we barely get the finish we didn't get the finish it actually it had the Sopranos finish just went black I assume not really sure what happened there uh, before we started recording it today, we had a power issue, and then we don't want to know where uh, we're beer is. We're just going to power on through uh, some tight ends, tight ends that you are, or unless you have more receivers. Uh, but receivers, uh, who's ever on your list? Fire away, whatever you have for us. You don't want. Look, I think that Michael Thomas is difficult to draft right now because of his average draft position, so I'm shying away from him. DJ Moore 
uh, is a player that I, I I think he's a fantastic player in the National Football League, and I think that Carolina can end up being a team that passes more than we think, probably a little bit better on offense than we think. But just as a as a as a general rule, the players are surrounding him in the draft are going to be able to deliver what I feel is a higher upside. Uh, everyone from the guys we talked about to even guys like AJ Brown, who's just a, a silly athlete. And, and, I, and I don't think that we should be focusing our best ball plays on a player who's probably going to have a more condensed outcome curve. You know, he'll have good seasons most of the time, but probably very few rare to great seasons. Tight end stayaways. Well, I mentioned Darren Waller earlier in the show, and I, I feel like that if we're paying like a fifth round price for him, you're, you better get what you got from him in previous seasons. And I'm just not necessarily expecting – quite the same level of fit. I think he'll be good. And I think that he's a fantastic player, but just from a roster construction standpoint, Will Fuller and Marquise Brown are coming off the board in that area of the draft. And I'm trying to build, you know, if you get, especially if you get four flex positions to to throw wide receivers at, I'm really looking for those spike weeks of, of those, uh, of those wide receivers and banking that I can find those tight ends later in the draft that can get something close to Waller. Uh, and, and, and we mentioned the Raiders aren't necessarily in the best position as a team. So you know, I don't want too many Raiders, and I just can't stomach Waller right now. Give me your favorite value plays, your favorite late-round flyers. As I've been drafting uh, later in these drafts, I'm really finding that Chris Herndon, who Beer mentioned earlier at the tight end position, is just continuing to drop and continuing to fill uh, what I feel is a pretty good upside play deeper into drafts. So this is another reason why I'm not trying to get too ahead of myself drafting tight ends early. Eric Ebron is another player pending his health uh, that seems to be in a good situation in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, still going to be the red zone threat and still going to be the recipients of passing from one of the better uh, red zone throwers in NFL history. So I'm interested in going ahead and getting involved with Ebron there and banking on the touchdown upside. It appears, I believe, do we have beer back? I, I believe so. De- little little internet outage there for, for a minute. I guess uh, they didn't like my Le'Veon Bell take. <laughs> that, we, we were saying how the show, uh, show was cursed, I guess. Maybe you said Beetlejuice a couple more times. That would, that's what happened. Nobody knows what <laughs> happened what on happened your end. There. Uh, we're just kind of flying through them now, but just whatever's on your list as far as your stayaways, guys, you're not, you don't find yourself drafting. It's not necessarily you don't like it, but just based upon the value when you have to take them. Uh, I think we left off. Do, do you have receivers and tight ends for us? Yeah, I'll just wrap up the running backs. I won't even go much in depth here. I don't I don't draft Levy and Bell at all. David Johnson's a guy I really have avoided as well. Mark Ingram, I worry about Dobbins kind of taking over there. And, and Devin Singletary, uh, I think Zach Moss could be the guy there. So uh, those are the, the running backs I'm avoiding. Receivers, it's mostly guys where I, I feel there's a teammate that's a better value. So Kenny Galladay, I don't hate the player, but give me Marvin Jones four rounds later who can produce mm-hmm. the same numbers. Uh, Amari Cooper, give me Michael Gallup three to four rounds later, uh, can produce the same numbers. So those are the big ones. Uh, I'm avoiding Keenan Allen, pretty much avoiding uh, most of that Chargers offense. Uh, Steph Diggs, a guy that I'm not drafting a ton of. So that's pretty much uh, the guys that I'm avoiding towards the higher end of the receiver position. It ends that uh, you're not not finding yourself uh, drafting? Kind of that that whole middle chunk of Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram, uh, Darren Waller, Gronk. I mean, I, I'm kind of avoiding that. If I can get one of the big dogs, I like getting Andrews as well if he falls far enough. Uh, even Ertz right now with, with the way that Philadelphia pass-catching core is shaping up. But after that, that next group of five, six, seven guys, I'd rather wait for Hawkinson, for, for Herndon, for 
Dallas Goddard, Blake Jarwin, Eric Ebron. I just think there's a ton of value at that position waiting or even grabbing two, three of those guys uh, and not even grabbing an early tight end. So uh, Hunter Henry is the, the main guy that I just, I just don't see it this year, whether it's Tyrod, whether it's Herbert, a bear, as we like to call him, I, I don't think it really matters for Hunter Henry. So your favorite value plays that you're drafting late in the, uh, you know, your favorite flyers, essentially outside of, I guess you can make it with stacks as well too. If that's sort of the route you're taking your favorite last, you know, late round plays. Late round play. I'm coming around, and it, again, this may be my homerish, but uh, hearing good things of Marquez Valdez Scantling, so I'm kind of falling back uh, into that. Even though that offense is not going to throw a ton, uh, they moved him back to the slot, which I think can be a good spot for him. So grabbing him, some running backs. Uh, Darrell Williams, a guy that you know right now is locked into that backup role in Kansas City. So a lot of people still think it's DeAndre Washington. A lot of times you get Darrell Williams after DeAndre Washington goes, but. Uh, just being tied to that offense. And if something were to happen, if he's the starter there and I'm getting him in the, the 12th, 13th round, uh, sign me up for that all day. And then, of course, my boy Minshew, Dean. I, I'm taking him late uh, in a lot of different drafts. Oh, man. Jamina, who would you make a face about? You're making a face in somebody you said. Was it MBS? Yeah. Mar- I mean, look, you can take Mark. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> I would rather take late in the draft. One of Beer's guys, LaVisca Chenault, over go. a guy like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. <laughs> oh, I'm absolutely he's... doing that. I'm talking last, last round. Miles Boykin's pretty late. You can get Miles Boykin real deep in drafts, and he's going to be on the field a lot. And he's, you know, he's a 99th percentile catch radius guy. Uh, he's got the ability to, to operate on the outside in that Ravens offense where they really don't have a lot of guys that are, that are working in that area. I mean, obviously Duvernay's in, around, and like maybe he could usurp Uh, Boykin for some of his playing time but I'm still looking at him as a guy who's got the upside to be a player that is way underdrafted this is the best ball hot take show presented by underdog fantasy again underdog fantasy they have the signature best ball mania tournament one million dollar a prize pool 200k up top 25 dollars to jump in there and they have a tournament for five dollars that's similar structure 100k prize pool 20k up top uh they're still drafting leagues check it out on ios and on android underdogfantasy.com as well all right, this is how we got to close strong, boys. Uh, Beer has been knocking Jamino out on volume, just firing off like four or five hot takes, and Jamino's just giving us one. One of those are going to hit for Beer. I don't know which one, but one's going to hit. One's going to land for sure. The volume play, Dean. Just call me <laughs> Le- Leonard Fournette of the hot takes here. It's a great strategy. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but uh, <laughs> fire them off, and if one or two hit, boom. We're going to go position by position. Beer, you can bat first. Uh, we're talking quarterbacks. Give me a quarterback-centric hot take. So one that we didn't talk about, I want to get a different name in here. I think Joe Burrow is a top 10 quarterback this season. Gives you upside with his legs, surrounded mm-hmm. by weapons. I know he's a rookie. I know we're dealing with COVID. I know there's not a lot of a lot of time to develop that rapport. But if we can get A.J. Green on the field with Tyler Boyd, I'm expecting Mixon to be a beast here. The offensive line is improved. You get Jonah Williams back. They're not great, but it's better. Uh, and I think Joe Burrow is pro-ready. So Joe Burrow, top 10 fantasy quarterback this season. Jamino, see it and raise it. Uh, look, if you want to look at the top three, top ten, geez. Pff, you want to look at the top three at the end of the season and you see Carson Wentz's name there, do not be surprised. Ooh. This guy can absolutely get it done with the best of them. And I just don't see this as an offense that's going to really, really, really score a lot of touchdowns on the ground. I mean, Miles Sanders can certainly get in the box, but I just see a lot of passing touchdowns coming out of this offense this season. And I see Wentz with a major bounce back. And don't be surprised if the guy's well over 4,500 yards and getting enough touchdowns to be up there in that top five conversation. And I'll say 
top three is possible. Beer, I think uh, Jamino was mocking that he's like, this is a hot take, not lukewarm takes top 10. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Bring it at running back here, Beer. Bring it at running back. All right, let's see what we got here, Dean. I, I'm going to go. I know I got, Jamino hates Antonio Gibson, but I, I so I'm going to bring him up just for that fact that Antonio Gibson's going to light the world on fire here. I mean, this is an offense we continue to talk about with no pass catchers outside of McLaurin. They're going to use him as a weapon. I think he's going to get the ball all over the field. So he doesn't even, it's the same take as James White, not needing carries, just get the ball in this guy's hands. And we know how explosive he is. I don't want to hear about the 77 touches in college. All that tells me this guy's fresh. Ready to unload. Top 15 running back, Dean, Antonio Gibson. Jamino, does that meet your approval from, for hotness? Or Bishop, Sankey, Bishop Sankey will have more career fantasy points than Antonio Gibson. Wow. Wow. No, no I'm just kidding. That, that'd be great, though. No, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm waiting to see on that one. I don't want to be uh, – you know, look, the situation with Peterson has made it very clear that Gibson's going to be the guy, so I, I don't want to – take any two takes too hot there with Gibson. I'll give you a hot take uh, as, as far as the wide receiver position is concerned. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is not a top 12 wide receiver this season. Uh, there are going to be a lot of wide receivers that get ahead of him on the board. He's, he's, he's not even going to be in the wide receiver one category. All right, there you go. Uh, Beer, if you have a thought that by all means, feel free to chime in. Otherwise move on and talk about the, uh, talk about what, well, wait, hold on. Were you, were you giving receivers? Uh, tight, you're, Don't you're, worry about it, Dean. I gave you a hot take. Let's go. Try to move this thing along here. It threw me off. I'm like, wait, what position are we on? I I agree. I agree on Hopkins. I I think he's being overdrafted. So I'll leave it at that. Will Fuller, top three wide receiver. Bring in the fire. He will stay healthy. He will tear it up this year with Deshaun Watson. So is that hot enough, Dean? Top three. I didn't say top ten. I said top three. Will Fuller. It is hot enough, and it's also the appropriate position, apparently, that gets wrong. Yeah, we're, we're moving right along here. <laughs> Jamino, do you have a potentially a tight end hot take or any hot take? Yeah, I, I, got, a, I got a hot take for you at tight end here, Dean. <laughs> the order of tight end finish this year is going to be, number one, not Travis Kelsey, probably Ooh. George Kittle. But as far as who we're going to see in the number three to five position, and I'll go ahead and say number three since this is a hot take show, my guy, TJ Hawkinson, get there. Best friend of Travis Kelsey. Uh, he's been, that's, how, that's how you get to the top three. You, you befriend <laughs> and shower with George Kittle. <laughs> Barry, do you have a hot take as far as tight ends? I love Hawkinson, but I just want to – Chris Herndon outscores TJ Hawkinson this Woo! season. Just, 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 to, just to jab my boy here a little bit. I love them both. I love them both. I, I think Herndon's in for a big year. Hot take-wise, I think Mark Andrews, tight end one. Well, that's it. That's the show. We finished strong. All the hot takes out there. We're going to uh, clip and edit and cut the ones that are good. And the bad ones never happened. Right. Devin is just going to produce some random sit the on show. the cutting room floor. They never <laughs> to be seen again. Where did that clip about Bishop Sankey go? I don't know. <laughs> Didn't happen. Uh, Beer, it's been a blast. Uh, I assume you're still drafting right now? Oh, yeah. I'm about to fire up a draft as soon as we're done here, Dean. So, yeah, drafting away. Uh, you'll find me in the underdog streets for sure. So, uh, there, there's all the videos from all the teams you guys can go back and check out. Uh, I've also done six packs on every position, uh, guys that I'm drafting uh, in, in DraftKings best ball, but a lot of it applies to underdog here. So uh, it's been fun, boys. Uh, always love talking football with you. Uh, hopefully we get to do it more. Dean, I know you and I will be spending some time in the season 
uh, talking each and every week on Sunday morning. Shimino, been a blast, dude. Uh, always respect your opinion and your and your takes and, uh, and the knowledge you bring. So it's been fun and uh, appreciate you hanging out and uh, spitting those fire takes for us. Right back at you, Beer. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Learned, go ahead. Learned a ton from my boy Beer this summer. Thanks, Beer. You got it, buddy. Yeah, and Jamino's got to get back to work too. He's, he's one of the hardest working working guys here behind the, the scenes. Anything you like here at Rotogrinders, it's probably because Jamino's got his hands in it. Uh, it's been a blast, guys. Much appreciate the, and I've learned a lot too because I'm always behind. I'm always going to like, well, I play daily fantasy, and you know that's where I tend to play. You know, I, I'm, it's new to me as far as the best ball world, but and I'm always like, well, is today football? Okay, then I'll learn about it tomorrow or when I have to. But, uh, I've learned a lot, so I appreciate you guys uh, kind of taking me along the way and taking me on this journey. Of course, we have a whole bunch of episodes on the Rotogrinders channel, and Beer was talking about the six-pack. There's a bunch of six-packs on there as well, so you guys can check it out. Like and subscribe for Underdog Fantasy, for Christopher Gimino, for Chris Prince, a.k.a. Beer Makers fan. I was Dean. This was football. It was best ball. We're out of here. Holler. Go Heat. <laughs>